I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Luke's Massive Storytelling Podcast Thing 2021. Baby, oh yeah. Welcome to Luke's Massive Storytelling Podcast Thing. Uh, my name is Luke and this is my thing. It's Sunday morning. It's Sunday the 12th of September. How are you guys doing? I hope you're doing very well indeed. I hope you had a fantastic couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to be doing this podcast fortnightly uh, for the last few episodes of this season. I have been very, very busy, surprisingly busy. Um this past week, um, past couple of weeks, what have I been doing? Well, I finished You're Going to Die, the game, and I put that out, and I've been trying to get that into more and more people's hands and inside their computers. Um, there was actually a really fun playthrough. There's a video a guy made on YouTube. I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, it's him playing the game, and it was a very surreal experience to watch him play it and to to go through pretty much the exact uh, emotions that I was hoping that that a person that a person playing the game would feel as they were going through, um, just, just the way he sort of uh, progresses through the game and it starts off weird and weird and strange and silly and then turns into to something quite different. To see him experience that was actually quite amazing you know you as a writer you write tons of books and short stories or, or podcasts or whatever you never really ex- you never see someone you never get the experience of sitting over their shoulder looking over their shoulder at what they're reading at what they're doing and see them laughing at the jokes you wrote getting maybe a little bit scared at the scary bits you wrote um yeah so it's it's a really strange surreal and quite amazing experience to be honest for me, I mean, I I would definitely recommend go go and play the game, or maybe just go watch that YouTube video, um, and maybe you'll like it um, in the same way I did. But for me, as a creator, seeing someone respond to something I've made in this in that way was um, quite special and quite a nice reminder of why I spend hours and hours and hours and hours doing stuff and making stuff. And a lot of times, I feel like I'm just doing it. Um, you know, sit in my garage for hours at a time. I break my back, but leaning over my laptop and and coding and writing and recording. And sometimes I feel like, what? Who <laughs> is anyone on the other side of this? Is it ever going to matter to anyone on the other side of this? Um, and so, seeing a video of someone receiving it was special. Yeah. Um, in other news, we won oh, we won an award, a podcasting award, 
Hawken Cleaver won the best fiction podcast of 2020 over at thisishorror.co.uk, which is quite a nice award to win. We, um, we've tried a few times before. We, we nom- got nominated but never actually managed to, to bag it. And this time we bagged it, snagged it, took it home and ate it. We had a letter from the Massive from a certain um, uh, Karen O'Brien. How A very simple message. said, how I made an award-winning film with no money, no ideas and no camera was very inspiring. Good for you. Thanks, Carolyn. That, I think, is an article on my website. I think if you go to lukecondor.com, uh, I think there's a bit... It's like freebies. I don't know. I, think, I feel like I've written that article a few times <laughs> I'm not too sure uh, but but yeah go check that out uh, thank you very much for, for getting in touch Karen sorry lovely so yeah what else is going on okay one one quick thing before we jump into the, the meat of the episode if you're enjoying Luke's massive storytelling podcast thing you can buy me a cup of coffee by heading over to ko-fi.com forward slash Luke of Condor or head over to gumroad.com forward slash Luke of Condor and pick up a book. Uh, and that will that be very, very nice to buy a book, buy me a coffee. Link's in the show notes. You don't have to, but it's kind of cool. Uh, so today's episode, I figured it'd be very interesting to... So I just had a book come out, The Run Fantastic. It's my first book with a publisher rather than self-publishing or doing it myself. I thought it'd be very interesting to maybe think about five points, five things that I've learned from writing and releasing The Run Fantastic. Thing number one, if you write a book in a weird niche genre, don't expect to sell, to shift a number of books that someone who was was writing in a not-so-niche genre would, would sell. Well, that's a really roundabout way of saying if you write something weird, the response will not be... uh, If you write something non-commercial, you probably won't get a commercial response to the work, which is fine. There's always this question whenever you go into any project, is this project for love or for money? And I, over the years, have done both types of projects I always found that if I went into a project and did it for money or purely for money I was never completely happy with the outcome in the sense that even if those projects did make some money or more money and yet I was left feeling a little more uh, enervated so drained of energy or inspiration or whatever that 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 reward is you get from creating something putting it out to the world I always found if I did it for money and even if I got the money I always felt a little bit I don't know like I struggled to promote the book a little bit more like I'd struggle to tell people about it um, and also when people buy it I always, people tell me, oh, I bought that thing you you made. And there's a little part of me that goes, I I don't know. There's a little part of me that thinks, that's really fun. That's really amazing. But 
I kind of wish they bought the thing that I made for love instead. The thing that I made more from my soul. Uh, and I guess that's this. It's like the the big question, isn't it? When you when you're an artist, um, is to is constantly trying to reconcile that that need to make money and the need to express your true self through your art. Yeah. So what I always found is for, so Run Fantastic is a bizarre book. Bizarro is an extremely niche genre. Uh, if you didn't know, Bizarro is it, it's supposed to be the, the, the literary equivalent to the cult section of a video store. Where So for a horror story, the, the prime feeling you're trying to uh, invoke from the reader is fear. Whereas for a bizarro story, the prime feeling you're trying to invoke is uh, that that weird feeling, um, that feeling of what? It's a, it's a, it's a strange. It it tickles a very specific part of the brain. That what is this? It's it's. I don't know. It's the same feeling I get when I watch uh, Swiss Army Man, when you watch Adult Swim cartoons, when you watch Twin Peaks. Um, it's that, that weird feeling. That's what Bizarro is, is always striving to, to do. Uh, so Bizarro is a, a very, very, very niche genre. Uh, so I wrote this book completely uh, for the love, I would say. And and as such, I don't think it sold massive amounts. And yet, I'm extremely happy with it and extremely proud of it. And I'll be very, very extremely proud to send it out to reviewers over be very very proud for people to read it and think this is the kind of person Luke is <laughs> because I am um, I like strange funny weird and scary stuff uh, so yeah I think I guess the main point of thing number one is manage your expectations correctly don't you should kind of know what the output is going to be before the book is released. Don't go in expecting to sell like crazy when you're writing um, something for the love. Uh, and I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe something will go viral. Um, you'll hit a, a wind and the wind will carry you and you'll sell tons. But if you're writing a book like this, if you're working on a piece of art like this, do it for the love and know that it's for the love and the rewards are from doing the work themselves um it's the rewards if they come or don't that's fine but yeah this is a for the love project and <laughs> the, the results from what i can tell um you know match up to that okay thing number two um there's nearly always a fall after a big release and what i mean by this is so I, the Run Fantastic, I, was, I wrote the, the first draft in a couple of months, like a two-month period, and then I left it for a while, and I edited it, and then left it, and left it, and then edited it again. Kept doing this for quite a while. It was with me for a long time, and then it, and I sold it to the publisher, and they had it for a year before it was released. So it was a long time. And then during that time, you're—I um, don't know—you have various expectations of how it will be received when it comes out. Um, and then it comes out, 
Um, and then you feel this kind of post-release, post-release depression in a way. I don't know if it's, it's not quite depression, but it's this feeling of loss, like your child has gone to school for the first time. A big part of your life has changed, has shifted. Um, and every single time, oh, sorry about that plane, if you can hear it. I'm just going to sip my coffee while it while it flies over. Then, um, yeah, every single time uh, you put out a, a big project that's taken a big part of your mind space, you put it out, and you feel kind of lost. Uh, you feel you feel lost, and, and I wonder what that. I wonder if it's because because once it's out there, you can't really change it. Once it's still in your on your computer. You still feel like, oh, I can make it better. I can add more to it. It will, it's, it's, it can still change. It can still evolve. But once you've published it, once it's out there, that goes away. I mean, I'm sure you could do some edits and and, and re- republish it later on. But it's not not the same thing. So every single time you feel this kind of loss um, and you don't know what to do with yourself, I definitely felt it with this book, um, and I think. Ways to combat that, uh, you should always have another project on the go. I cannot imagine how I would cope if I didn't have another load of projects to jump straight into. If you just have something come out, you know, the, the bigger authors, they have like a book that comes out once a year. I always want, I always worry. I mean, some, some sorry, some of those bigger authors, they have a book come out once every four or five years. I can't imagine you, you publish that book. What do you do after that? You just walk around the house, think about stuff, get sad. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think if you've always got another project to jump straight into, um, I think Woody Allen said he as soon as he finishes one screenplay, he starts writing the next. I think that's probably the better way to go. Then, you know, some people like to have a little break after they've released something. And I think that's a bad a bad idea because when you have those, when you go from a big, big project and, and you push it out to the world and then you have nothing there for, for that break time, sometimes it feels like you're just floating in nothing. You, you start to worry, worry, you start to wonder who you really are and you start to, uh, you kind of lose a part of your identity. So yeah, if you're a writer, if you're a game maker, if you're whatever you are, as soon as you have something come out, do the Tarzan thing. As soon as you release one rope, have another rope to grab onto and swing from that and swing from rope to rope. Yeah, that's probably the best analogy. Tarzan the bastard. <laughs> okay, uh, what else we got here? Thing number three. Giving up creative control. I've always been more of an independent creator. I mean, this isn't, my choice for a long time when you're making stuff it's either publish something or not it's not a choice of publish something traditionally or publish something independently it's do I want this out in the world or do I not and for the longest time I was I wanted something out in the world so I was publishing independently making my own covers building my own audiences making my own podcasts you know just all doing it all myself and then when I sold this book to the publisher 
suddenly there are, are more people involved. There's more cooks in the kitchen. Uh, so maybe you don't quite have as much as a say of how much salt you want to put in there, which is a lot if it was me, or how many fried onions you want to put in there, which is a lot if you were me, or maybe how much peanut butter you want to put in there, which is a lot if you are me. Salty <laughs> oniony peanut butter. Yum! Um, the point is, if there's more people involved in the process, you don't have as much of a say of the output, which is not necessarily a bad thing, it's not necessarily a good thing, it just means that you have to be cognizant of that when you go into, when you do sell your book to a publisher or you do start working with more people. Um, and I think the more resistant you are to that, the you can have a, the more resistant you are to that, the more difficult a time you're going to have with the process. You aren't going to be able to say, I want my cover to be exactly like this. You aren't going to be able to say, I want the edits to be exactly like this. You aren't going to be able to say, I want the release schedule to be exactly like this. I want the book to hit certain stores at certain time, certain times, whatever. You don't have as much to say. And that, that, I mean, the good aspects of that, when I think of Hawk and Cleaver, which is our story studio, uh, there's five core people, 30 regular collaborators, lots and lots of different people involved in that process, in that in that studio now, uh, putting together the other stories, people adding their audio editing wizardry, uh, narrators narrating with expert, precision, sharpshooter-like voices <laughs> and accents. You're very difficult to do. Um, graphic designers, illustrators... There's so many people adding their uniqueness, their creativity, uh, their talents, and making something bigger, making something much bigger than you could do if you were just doing it on your own. Um, so I think if you lean into it, if you lean into that collaborative process and and just enjoy it, take your little aspect of it, whether whether you're doing the admin, whether you're doing the writing, whether, whatever the, the small part of it, is that's that's been given to you to do if you take it and take ownership of that make it as good as good as possible and brand it as your own little piece of the pie <laughs> whatever the whole whatever the project is um take ownership of it and make it as good as you can you can get it to be um and then just have faith that other people are going to do their do the same with their aspects and hopefully all being well, it should come together to make something pretty spectacular, pretty amazing. You know, sometimes you want more cooks in the kitchen. Sometimes you want someone to come in and say, dude, don't put peanut butter with those fried onions. <laughs> it, it's a weird, who eats peanut butter with fried onions? And then, you know, you can't argue with straight facts. Anyway, <laughs> thing number four. Do a tiny bit of marketing every single day. What do I mean by this? Uh, as a writer, um, I think a lot of people who are writers or creators are somewhat introverted and don't like the idea of marketing themselves. 
of getting their work out there to people, shouting on the rooftops, look at me and my thing. We don't like that. Uh, we like to operate in the shadows, in the garages, in the libraries, places where people just don't go. The one way I found to combat this, and I'm actively trying to, is I set myself, um, there's an app called Streaks, and it's a habit-building app. And the idea of it is you build up a chain of, of um, so every day you, you take the thing off the list, and the idea is to build up as big a streak as possible. Uh, so, so with this app, I, I set myself a timer, a daily timer, every day for 10 minutes, I will market the book. Uh, and so what that's done is it's pushed me to, within those 10 minutes, I have to be actively, actively marketing, actively putting something out into the world, whether that's a TikTok video, which I felt uncomfortable doing. But because I had this timer and I had to tick it off the to-do list, I just had to take action within those 10 minutes and make something. Whether it's tweeting about the book, whether it's making a big list of, of book reviewers or booktubers, which are book reviewers who exist purely in the digital world uh, on, on video, on YouTube. Um, yeah, wh wh whatever it is. That's that's how I'm combating my introverted nature, is by saying every day, 10 minutes, I have to be actively doing something marketing related. Every single day, 10 minutes, and I'm building up that streak. And there are times when I set that timer and I think, I don't feel like, or I'm, I remember what it was. I remember I was going to post a video of myself talking about the book to a specific bizarro related Facebook group. And I felt really nervous about it. Not nervous, but like, no, this is go. This, what's the word? I don't know how, I don't know. I didn't feel comfortable with it. Um, but I set the timer. And then there's, in those 10 minutes, I have to do something. I have to be actively working on some marketing activity. And posting that video to that group was the thing that I, had to do so that's how I'm doing it just 10 minutes not long but they have to be active 10 minutes okay was that thing four or thing five I don't know uh, I think let's call that thing four because thinking about it now it was thing four and let's move on to the final thing thing five <laughs> I'm Thing number five, I'm glad I spent so long working on the book and making it um, into something as special as I could uh, and, and unique as, as I could make it a thing. What I'm trying to say here is I really chiseled that sculpture. I had a big old block of rock and I chiseled away at that sculpture over and over and over. I smoothed down any lines, any creases, any seams. Do you get those in rocks? I don't know. But I tried to make it as perfect as I could. 
Um, and it does make me feel a lot easier when handing it out to people. With some of my older books, I feel unsure about giving them out to people because I know they're not as perfect as, as when I was making things a little more independently and a little more as learning as I was going. I was publishing stuff, just getting stuff out in the world because I was excited. I was a young and new writer. And my first book, The Underdog Stories, which is like a very, very short story collection, um, I know now that I was just, I was very excited to get to publish something. And I probably should have spent a little bit longer working on it. And because of that, I now feel slightly weird. It's an imperfect sculpture. And I feel slightly weird about putting it out into the, about telling people about it because they'll look at it and go, oh, I can see this this crease here or this knobble of rock here that you, you probably should have smoothed over. And so it, it makes it much, much harder to talk about the book, to sell the book, to to reuse it for any kind of marketing or or, or anything really. Whereas now with the Run Fantastic, look, I'm sure it's not perfect, but it's as perfect as I could have made it at this point in time for the kind of project that I was trying to make. As such, for years, I'm going to feel completely fine with putting that out into the world. When, when I'm 90, I'd be very, very happy to tell people about that book. And I feel completely happy with, with pushing that book into people's hands. Uh, be, because I spent that extra time. Because I did that extra bit of polishing. And I think that's that's the way I want to go with all of my projects going forward. I like to do scrappier things and I do like to throw paint at the walls and I do like to see a bit of the string and the sellotape uh, but that's more of an aesthetic choice what I'm talking about is something quite different I'm talking about uh, whatever the thing is in your head getting it down on paper as, as perfectly as possible as recreating it as perfectly as possible that's what I'm talking about um, and being completely happy with um, handing that piece of paper to, to people for years to come uh, and be completely happy to say yes that was that was what I intended if you, if you do or don't like it or if you don't like certain aspects of it that's completely fine because that is exactly what I intended it to be and that would, that's what I was trying to say at that time. And I said it. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> and what? That's it. Five things I learned from writing and releasing The Run Fantastic. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, I think we'll do another interview next. For the next episode, I will get in touch with some lovely people and try and get them on the show for a quick fire round and a, and a big hard one anyway thanks very much for listening I hope you have a fantastic week I hope you get your writing done get your making stuff done get your storytelling done and I hope you eat a giant apple smothered in peanut butter salt and fried onions enjoy Planning for your next trip? 
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.